I'm Jan Gregus and you are listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson i'm here with callum williams cal it is swampy and disgusting in minnesota right now it's monday uh after the loons won uh beat the portland timbers yesterday uh, it's uh it is gross i was at training all morning and i didn't move and i i i have no energy left i just um can't really describe the sort of foul nature of the weather right now. It's just, it's unpleasant. It's uncomfortable. Um, it, it's just not the type of weather that you really enjoy. Um, I'm from England, in case you haven't figured out yet. And we're just not built for weather like this. But I get the feeling the Minnesotans aren't built for this either. No, that's why we're in Minnesota. Yeah. If, if we liked this weather, we would go somewhere where this is what you're known. I mean, I know that Minnesota has this in the summers. It's mosquitoes and we, we have a lot of lakes and everything like that. But honestly, like this is not I'm not into this Louisiana type type action here. No, it's it's. And, and you know what? I've said this before as well. I don't know how the players are able to run around in this for 90 plus minutes. I, yeah, I can't, this is, it's terrible. Um, and it's awful and I can't wait for fall. Yes, uh, can't wait for fall. It's light way too long now. Um, it's just, uh, distracting. Um, I, I can't get to sleep. Um, yeah, I agree with that, especially when it's sort of that the sunlight peers through the, the curtains and whatnot in the morning and it's what five o'clock in the morning. And yeah. You're thinking, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I am all for like bring on, I was, I was born in, in October. Uh, I am a child of, of autumn. Uh, I like, uh, fires and hay rides and orchards, apple picking. There's some fantastic orchards around here. You can go apple picking, uh, hoodies, vests. That's what I like. Bring that on. Before you said hoodies and vests, by the way, <laughs> you sounded like you were, you were from some sort of fantasy middle-aged earth. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to what's the Shire? Is that what you, Honestly, you were like, I, I, I love you know, fires and apple picking and the orchards. Where are you from? Mead. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> the plague, which uh, they have in Colorado. They have in Colorado, uh, yes. yes. Uh, no, I, I, you know, this uh, sitting outside in in the sweltering summer. I was doing a little bit with my kids the other day. We have a slip and slide. I sit in the shade. They run through the slip and slide. It's great. I am not, I'm not a huge uh, pool person. Are you? Are you a, a, a pool person? Um, I, I, I would, I would often say no, but then when I'm there, I do thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I'm not, I'm not one of these people. Sure. That I don't like to sort of lie out in the sun because right. I just burn straight away. <laughs> But right. I, I quite enjoy absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I quite enjoy being in the pool with a beverage of some sort and having um, some good conversation with some some friends and family or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I quite enjoyed that. I was down in um, in Kansas City for a little vacation with the family, um, or oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago, and uh, we had a, a pool day. And instantly, my my antenna went up, and I was like, oh, for goodness' sake, I'm gonna burn. It's gonna be yeah. miserable. It's gonna be hot and 
It's not going to be very enjoyable. Uh, but actually, I had a really, really good afternoon. And yeah. lots of good conversations with uh, father-in-law and brother-in-law uh, over a couple of beverages in the pool. I thought to myself, yeah, this is actually not bad. So uh, usually, I would say at the start of the idea, I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I, I don't want to do this. I want to go and sit in a dark pub somewhere. Sure. You know? But then when I actually go and do it, I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is actually the life. <laughs> yeah, I generally don't have a problem with it um, in the moment. Uh, sort of, it's not something that I sort of seek out. I um, like, I can't swim for exercise. This is a thing I learned a while ago that I I enjoy running. Um, just despite how I might appear, if you see me in person, <laughs> I, I am also a dad. So, uh, so I'm subjected to all the stresses of, of daddom. Hmm. Um, but at one time I was, I was, I was in pretty good shape and I, I enjoy running. I enjoy the sort of meditation. Uh, when I'm on a treadmill, I like to listen to music. I have mixes and things like that, but outside I like to concentrate on breathing and, you know, you get into the sort of this zone of where you're sort of unfocused, but moving forward and it's, and it's great. I tried swimming for exercise once. Um, I, I got into the pool. I had my waterproof, uh, Ironman watch on and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to start timing this, you know, I'm going to do laps. Uh, I'll get in my cardio and I started the, 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 the stopwatch. I started swimming and after about like 15 minutes, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it to like half an hour, like 15 huh. minutes. I was exhausted. I looked at my watch. I've been doing it for three minutes. Like time just <laughs> slows down. I feel like I've been doing it forever and I'd barely gotten anywhere. So, uh, yeah, water exercise, sitting in a pool with a beverage. That's fine. I really like canoeing and kayaking is the thing I discovered this summer, uh, getting out on a lake and just kind of, you know, lazily paddling around is, is, is really enjoyable, but I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just not a huge not a huge water sports guy. Give me, give me the, give me the Shire and uh, a Mead Hall and uh, you know some her suit. Uh, s- small people with hair on their toes, and I'm yep. happy. So, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. To be honest, I'm just. Um, I, I must admit, I, I despise running. I okay. hate running. <laughs> I, I just get so ridiculously bored. I can understand that. I understand it. Everybody who hates running, I'm like, I totally understand it. But it's it is one of those things that once I get into it, I definitely I definitely enjoy it. Let's um speaking of hair suit people, let's talk about Portland. <laughs> um, I guess Diego Valeri seems like he's pretty hair suit, but um, he, he, he would seem like I'm he just, would fit into I'm, the middle earth type character. I'm just speaking of of you know the the sort of hipster hair suitness of uh, of Portland generally, which I think is fairly similar to Minneapolis, you know, you your sure. your bearded people with with flannel and things like that. Uh, we definitely both cities have this kind of thing. So So are we comparing the twin cities in Portland to Middle Earth? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, here? pretty much. I think <laughs> we're all yeah. Um so uh this game against the Portland Timbers. Mm. Wait, let's go back to Diego Valeri. Good looking guy. Um, I got to say, I mean, I just, uh, soccer players, we've discussed this before, I think. Soccer players just, it's just an attractive look for a human person. Um, I think male or female, uh, yep. thinking about soccer players, it's just, it's an athletic build that it's, it involves endurance, uh, sort of runner, uh, certain running elements of fitness to them, but um, not like marathoner, sort of very um, skinny. They've got strength. Uh, Diego Valeri, just, he looks like one of those guys, like if you didn't know he was a soccer player and he was in a bar and you walked in and he's just wearing like a blazer and an open collared, you know, button down shirt, like you go, man, that guy's is, is a good looking human being. We start to drool perhaps. Yeah. yeah. Um, I must admit, yes, I agree with you in terms of I get the feeling that a lot of a lot of professional footballers are attractive individuals, 
and I hate them. Yeah. I hate them all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely for that. Because we have to stand next to them a lot of the time as well, which is really, really infuriating. And it, only, um, only thankfully some of them are very short. Um, well, and, and maybe and that offset some of it. Possibly, yeah. I, we're, we're fortunate uh, from the television side that Jimmy Watson is particularly short as well, so I don't really have to worry about that. But yeah, um, you have it, to like have a little milk crate next to you to stand on. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, they are um, very fine-tuned athletes with all the bumps in the right places and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, as I insinuated, um, they um, they're all. Idiots is the wrong word, um, but uh, I, I despise them. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, so uh, we'll, we'll leave that there, shall we? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. All right, let's talk about the actual game. It was 0-0 um, for most of the game. Uh, not for want of trying. It was not, uh, you know, sometimes these games that are 0-0, you spend a lot of time in the midfield without really a lot of chances coming. Mm. It, it seemed like... Obviously, Portland's plan, as is Portland's want, is to defend and then spring that counterattack. Um, Minnesota played into some of that as well. Uh, there was a fair amount of counterattacking. It was, as Adrian said after the game, uh, sort of distressingly end-to-end -end down the last 15 minutes without anything actually you know, going into goal uh, up until stoppage time with, the, with Ethan's, uh, Ethan Finlay's penalty shot. Um, I mean, what did you feel about the game w watching it? It was, to me, it was a fun game for a lot of it until I began to sort of feel like we've got, we got to get a goal out of this game. Yeah, it, it had just about everything for the 90 minutes before the goal, but a goal. Um, I thought the Timbers came in um, with a very impressive game plan, actually. And, and look, they, they've obviously been riding a certain wave. They were unbeaten in six coming into the game. Um, Momentum was firmly behind them. And also there's an element of comfort for them with playing on the road as well because they started with 12 away games because of the renovations yeah. to their stadium. So sure. so they, more than anybody, I think, are, are perhaps the most comfortable team to play on the road in Major League Soccer. Now, having said that, despite them getting six wins, they also claimed seven losses in that time as well. So, yeah. um, you know, I can see the, the counter-argument for sure. But um, I, I thought um, when they came in, instantly when we got the teams, I looked at it. And the Timbers have been playing a 4-2-3-1 for the majority of the season. Uh, and for uh, the majority of, of Savarese's reign, they've been playing a 4-2-3-1. When, when I saw the team sheet, I said, that's not, not, not a 4-2-3-1. Mm -hmm. It's a 4-3-3. And Kendra looked at me uh, very confused. Was like, you sure? Said, yeah, it's, it, there's no way that's a 4-2-3-1. Because Larea came into the central midfield. Right, yeah. Uh, alongside Perodes and Chara. And... Valeri and uh, Blanco were, were either side of Fernandez, and I said, "There's no way. There's no way that is a four-two-three-one." Um, and what the Timbers were very good at is they were very good at patiently um, playing through the midfield from the back. Um, very rarely did I see any sort of direct balls played long um, mm -hmm. and, and forward from the Timbers. It was nice little one-two touches, intricate, uh, you know, one-two touch passes. Um, in the midfield uh, and eventually work it out to the wide players who weren't really wide players either as well. You know, Valerio and Blanco, they um, very much like Molino, whenever he plays out wide, it's out wide in inverted commas because they're number 10s, that they are yeah. natural number 10s. As soon uh, as they get it out wide, they want to cut They want to cut so, inside. Yeah. They're not one of these 
players that will hug the the um, the touchline and get chalk on the boots and get to the byline. They'll, they'll cut inside as early as they can and and almost play like a ten and a half, if you will, you know. And mm -hmm. um, you know, so I thought Valerio and Blanco did that very very well. Um, they linked up very well with uh, Lorea. As I said, I was impressed with him. First real chance I'd probably got to see him. Mm -hmm. And Paredes and and, and Chara really um, really protected very well. So I thought the Simmers were organised. I thought they were disciplined. Um, and you could tell there was an element of frustration from Minnesota because they couldn't break through. Um, there was a couple of chances that they had that, I, in my opinion, they should have done better. There was one, I remember, in front of the brew hall where Miguel Ibarra was slipped through and the ball's on his left foot and there's two or three players awaiting the service. I think it was Finlay and Rodriguez. And instead he opens up his body and, and hits it with the right foot and tries to beat the keeper at the near post. And I thought, no, I, you've gone for the completely wrong option there. And he knows it straight away. Everybody yeah. knew it as soon as he, he, he made the goalkeeper make the save, which was a relatively easy, easy save as well. But um, I just thought there were a lot of, uh, there were a couple of bad decisions from individuals um, on, uh, on Sunday evening. But uh, look, I thought... Um, at the end of the day, Steve, they got the three points, which is all that matters. But right. um, in, again, I'll go back to what we have seen in the last uh, last two seasons. Whilst Minnesota have beaten Portland um, in Minnesota uh, previously, I think, again, if this was the 2017 or 2018, Minnesota United would have lost that game big yeah, time. For sure. Manoni was forced into some spectacular saves. Yeah. The one that Moreira hits... Uh, in front of the Wonder Wall, where he makes the save you would expect him to make, and then and Blanco then, came with it. Yeah, yeah Blanco yeah. hits it, and and the, the goal is gaping. And I, I had thoroughly prepared myself. I took a deep breath in to scream Blanco's name, right, and and insinuate that the Timbers had taken the leads. Um, but out of nowhere comes Manone's right hand, and yeah. he just clipped it over the bar. And uh, you know, Manone has been fabulous over the last couple of games now, and you know. Um, I, I, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but I think it's something along the lines of, of four shutouts in six games or something like that. And he, he's been in fabulous form. He really has. And, and Minnesota United, I know they didn't get what they wanted against Vancouver. They just about got what they wanted against Portland, but they are still playing well. It's not like they didn't play well against Vancouver. You know, we mentioned yeah. last week, didn't we, the 37 crosses and whatnot. Yeah. It, it's not like they're playing poorly. They're playing well and they're winning. And they're unbeaten in 10 games, which yeah. is fabulous. Yeah. Uh, in 10 games, since I started, there's a shirt that I got that I wore for the first time against FC Cincinnati. And I have I had to wear it to every game so far oh. because it's it's the shirt. I changed it in the parking lot. I was wearing a polo. I had gotten a shipment. Uh, I got in this shirt. It's like a white button-down shirt and a short-sleeved one. And uh, I was like, ah, it's too hot. Like, I got to get out of this, the polo. So I put on this shirt. It was a little bit lighter. And then that's when it started. And I'm – I. I now I have to wash it for every game, so it's um, so it's all so. down to you. Basically, it's all down saying. to me. Uh, yeah, I was talking to Manny about it, and um, you know I think we're going to try to sign a shirt to a long-term contract. So. Say, would that be a, a Tam deal? Is that thinking <laughs> or what? <laughs> I need a good. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's a Tam deal. I think it's a Tam <laughs> shirt. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's not linen, so uh, Tam or whatever you make a shirt out of. Um, um, might be worthy of a DP yeah. slot if that's linen. You say we'll have to see. We'll see. Well, you know, I, we could buy it down. You could do, because I reckon if you have a silk shirt, that's yeah. worthy of a DP. Time, <laughs> yeah, probably. You know? <laughs> if you see me wearing a silk shirt, just, yeah, there's, there's bigger problems to deal with. So um, uh, speaking of Minnesota United and the, and the defense, Monone, I thought that uh, one thing that was particularly notable was uh, this, the center backs did a great job on Brian Fernandez, um, who is, uh, it came into the league on fire and then has since cooled off a little bit. I think to some extent, you know, and I've seen people talk about this, um, sort of figuring out that if you can keep him in front of you, it's it's hard for him to beat you straight up. 
Uh, he likes to get in behind if you lose track of him. But both Opara and Boxel did a great job of sort of stymie. He had a, he had a couple efforts uh, on goal, some of which could have easily gone indefinitely. But overall, it felt like he didn't feel like the massive threat that you might think he would be based on the early returns on him coming into the league. So I, I don't think the Timbers got the ball to him quick enough throughout mm-hmm. the entirety of the 90. There were three separate chances that he had where the Timbers could have very easily scored. And, and the first one, it was sort of a glancing header, which was straight into Vito Minone. Um, the other was from a, a tight angle, I believe. And um, I think it was Opara cleared it away from the danger zone. And the other one was obviously when he hit the post as well. Yeah. And um, I thought to myself, yeah, this this lad is really um, he's really up for playing today. It's just he, he didn't get a ton of service. Yeah. And you're right, Opara and Boxall did a fabulous job in marking him and, and keeping him at bay. Um, and I, I, what I will say is I thought for me, the I know Minone got the man of the match and, and I'm not disputing or disagreeing with that. I thought Ozzy Alonso was fabulous yeah. because he also limited the ball at the feet of Diego Valeri as well, um, which as anybody who has followed MLS over the course of the last five or six years will know, that is the Timbers' main outlet is Valeri. He's allegedly having a poor season this year, right. but he's got 12 assists, you know. <laughs> so it's all, it's all relative. Um, so... Um, the, the issue, uh, not the issue, the, the, the worry I had coming into this game, and, and, and I guess I, I will have the same worry on, on Wednesday evening in the Open Cup, is if, if, you, if you are to drop and stay with Fernandez, who, as we said before, plays wonderfully off the shoulder, um, you, you get a little deeper to, to keep the bodies near him, you instantly are creating a load of space then in front of the back line, in between the, the holding midfielder for Diego Valeri to loiter. Mm-hmm. And that's a massive issue. But then if you go the other way and you play a high line and you perhaps um, stop Valeri in his tracks and, and, and don't give him as much room as he would perhaps want, you then run the risk of Valeri even still slipping a through ball in to uh, Fernandez, who uh, I, I've never seen a centre forward beat the offside trap like he does. Yeah. So that was the risk and that was the worry going into the game. And as you said, I, I thought clearly Opara and Boxall had, had looked at, at, at a ton of tape and had really figured out how to get the better of Fernandez. And, and if they're playing together again on Wednesday evening, let's hope that they can do that again. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if there's any, I know that from Minnesota, uh, Adrian has alluded to making some, some lineup changes. Um, obviously tough to go uh, Sunday, Wednesday, and then play Saturday against FC Dallas coming up for everybody. Um, also the, the consideration that in the open cup, you can only play five international players. So, yes. and they played six, uh, I believe in this last yep. game. So there'll be some decisions decisions to be made there. I'm, I'll be curious to see if there's any decisions made on Portland's side with regard to that. I thought that, um, and this is, a, the, some of this is bringing the, the right guy in off the bench. I thought that Portland looked brighter immediately with Abobasi coming off the bench. Um, he immediately contributed, uh, you know, some, some nice moments for them. Um, and if that's, you know, that, that would be, they took off Lorea, right? I believe for Abobasi. Trying to remember now exactly what the substitution uh, was. But. Yeah, I think you're right. So then I think they sort of went more to the 4-2-3-1 four, two, three, three, one, one, at yeah, that point. Right, yeah. So, And I thought that, um, you know, I think that maybe, and I think Matt Doyle said this, that uh, uh, 
Ibobasi. Ibobasi is more of a, a, a nine uh, than, than oh, Fernandez. And Fernandez yeah. playing off of Ibobasi could be really dangerous, and that would be a, a very difficult thing to work with. That would so. require a formation shift, though, and I, I yeah. don't think Sabrisi will do that. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of short notice to make that big of a shift. And again, I think we 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 uh, alluded to this last time that I think as as fans we're just like, yeah, just change. Whereas you know, sort of underappreciating the value of consistency and the value of uh, going out there with the same uh, the same mindset and the same approach every time. Uh, let's touch on Robin Lud's uh, debut for mm. the club. Um, you know, didn't it didn't set the world on fire, which is fine. Uh, you know, like you know, like I don't necessarily expect that from any player coming in his first his first game. As as Adrian said after the game, uh, you saw a lot of his good qualities. Um, he seems like a very smart player, uh, good in possession, uh, good sense of timing and pace and pushing or holding. Uh, what did, what was your impression of, of of Mr. Lud? I thought he was steady when he came on. He added um, an element of, of of calm. I thought, which was good. He, he was obviously. Um, using every inch of his experience um, with 10 minutes to go. You know, you, you need a, a calm presence and a, a firm head in that situation. Um, but I, I, I actually also think as well he added, uh, he, he, he kept up with the energy of the game and the pace of the game as yeah. well. Because yeah. uh, that, that can be difficult for players coming on as well, you know, getting into the, the pace of the game straight away. Uh, sometimes people don't and they don't make any sort of, um, don't have any sort of effect at all on the game. So uh, I thought he was good. A um, couple of nice little passes. Um, chose the right options when he needed to. Um, you know, I, I, and I know this is a player that, that the coaching staff are very, very excited about. Um, they've been looking at him for, for two years now. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I think he will be a good addition to Minnesota United moving forwards. Um, I would be surprised if he starts. Perhaps he may start in Dallas, but I'd be surprised if he starts this week because the one thing I did still think, and the reason why I was impressed with him keeping up with the energy levels of the game, is because I also thought he looked a little bit tired as well, yeah. which is not a surprise considering he got into the country on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, his body clock is going to be all over the place. Yes. Um, so I, I believe he had a child as well. Uh, th there's, was, there's that small thing <laughs> as well that he's had to deal with. Which yeah. uh, it can take it out of you. And I mean, uh, the, hey, listen, it, the the women obviously as uh, as a father, I, my my wife has uh, done way more uh, in, oh, in the in the childbirth yes. department, obviously. But for everybody involved in that process. It's exhausting. So yeah. to, to to do that and then fly uh, internationally and then come play, you know, that's it's a lot to ask of anybody. So yeah, but I thought he was fine. Uh, and look, I don't think it was um, a, a proper indication of what we're going to get. But for him, just just good to get on the field, make his debut, get a couple of minutes, get a few touches on the ball, and and just become more familiar with his his new surroundings. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look ahead to uh, Minnesota United's next opponent, who is. Um, Portland Timbers, that can't be right. Um, we just played them. Um, I guess it's the Portland Timbers. Uh, so we're playing them on Wednesday? In case you haven't heard, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, so, this is, so this is the semifinal. This is one of the semifinals uh, for the Open Cup. The other one will be happening on Tuesday uh, with Atlanta and Orlando City, uh, which, man, that'll be... I'm those looking forward those to that. teams do not like each other, uh, so that'll be fun. Uh, that's exciting, and and then this is the semifinals of the Open Cup. It's kind of, I think that, and I was speaking to Adrian Heath today about this, and I think that American soccer fans, by and large, are still sort of wrapping their heads around 
the importance of a cup, mm. uh, the importance of a cup competition and what it means to just win, a, win one of those trophies. And he talked about growing up that in England, all he wanted to do was play in the FA Cup. And yeah. that was, and that's it. That, and it's huge. Uh, there's a band from the Twin Cities called Romantica that have a song. Uh, the, the singer is, is of Irish descent and he has a song about he want, wants to grow up and play in the FA Cup. Hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously it, it doesn't have quite that cultural weight here, but I think it should start to develop that weight. I, I mean, I don't know exactly how it gets there, but um, maybe it's just different clubs winning it and then those clubs feeling like that's important. So. Well, yeah, and what I will say from, from previous experience um, in Kansas City when they won it in 2012, um, I think the feelings around the Open Cup changed drastically. I think uh, a lot of people started to understand what the Open Cup really was and what yeah. it was about and the history of it. But explain this to me, though, Steve, because I, I've, I've tried so many times to, to tell people what the Open Cup is uh, and, and what tournaments outside of the league are. Why don't people understand it? It's not that difficult to understand. Well, are you calling me a stupid American? No. <laughs> I, I feel like you are. Um, I, I think that... It's just literally a tournament outside of the league play. We don't have a lot of tournaments in the U.S. We well, have. You're not familiar with what a tournament is, we, though. <laughs> Listen, in sports, there's a difference between um, a conscious understanding and a gut-level primal feeling. Um, many sports fans only have gut primal feelings. They don't have any higher functioning um, they're just brain cells. They're, yeah. They're, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they've destroyed them with, with malt beverages, um, as have many of us. Uh, mm. I think that, so there's the March madness, which is the, the this the is the, this is the premier tournament of American sports. But I think that it's just baked into the way a lot of us grow up, which is an understanding of the regular season as a tremendous slog that separates the wheat from the chaff and then once you've got the wheat, you put it into the postseason, and then the best team arises out of that. And so the, the the cup, the sort of elimination cup format is like it's very appealing. And I honestly, it's like I also think it should be tremendously appealing. I think it's so cool that it starts like last fall mm. with amateur teams. Yes. Uh I think it's it's tremendously fun. I think people just need to maybe, you know, I think it's 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 a double whammy because soccer overall is getting has it been on the rise for years and years and years and we talk, we've been talking about it forever, right? Soccer is getting more popular along with that. The idea of the cup format is is a different format than people are used to, I think. And the fact that it runs concurrently with the league is also a little bit confusing sometimes for people um, who are just casual fans. But I mm -hmm. think as people get into it, they'll understand it. And I think you're right that it's one of those things where the like the importance of it or the impact of it will really be felt when you've when we've reached that 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 point when the mm. cup is won sort of like you're saying for sporting Kansas city. And then it becomes a point of pride is something then you want to defend it uh, every season. So, you know, I mean, I think it's going to be a tremendous matchup. First of all, we saw how fun playing Portland was overall, mm. despite the sort of paucity of goals uh, during the match itself. Portland's a terrific team. Um, I think Minnesota United is looking like a pretty terrific team right now. And that's a fun thing to see two teams square off in a situation in which the loser has to go home. Um, yeah. and so, you know, I, I, like it's going to be tremendous. I think uh, it, it, it's going to be a great game. I, and let me go back to what I said earlier on about KC in 2012. I, I, I really think it started to hit home how big this was when they got to the final and the, lead, the, the few days leading up to the final. Yeah. I, I think... Um, 
people across uh, that particular city then started to understand that, oh, actually, this this is a big deal. Yes, it is. Um, and it was in KC, I believe, the, the first Major League Men's Trophy since... Two th- when was it? In, in 2012, it was the first trophy since the Royals in 1986, I believe. That's a long time a for long a town time. to go without any sort of... Uh, you know, men's major trophy, you know, and, and um, I, I just think, uh, again, like we, in this, in, in these cities, in the Twin Cities, it, it, it's become so clear to me in my short time here that sports is everything. Yeah. <laughs> sports is absolutely everything. Um, and, and whilst we've been blessed to have the Lynx uh, win just about everything and be an utter inspiration, um, I don't think it ever hurts when you have another franchise winning another trophy as well. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so I, I think this is going to be um, a, a tremendous occasion on on, uh, on Wednesday, the semi-finals, and uh, a, a chance to to host a final. and And look, obviously, all, all eyes on um, on Atlanta uh, against Orlando on Tuesday because if Atlanta win that, Atlanta are hosting. If Orlando win it, then Minnesota host. Yeah. So let's make sure we cheer for Orlando on Tuesday. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think it's important. It's it's, it's maybe one of those things that it, the fan base will just have to experience it. There's some things in life that, um, you know, you can hear about. Uh, I think I think marriage is one of those things. Like some of these events that are like life events, where um, you understand how important it is, but not until you actually go through it. And I think yes. maybe maybe a thing like a deep cup run. I mean, not to compare that to a marriage. This is getting weird. Anyways. <laughs> There's just things that, like, you can know, again, you can have consciously, like, I understand this, I understand this, I understand this. But until you sort of viscerally experience playing in a final, that then everybody who is there will carry that feeling forward with them. And then that that is how you build up, that up overall. So, And I think as well that the more media coverage the Open Cup gets as well, that can only help. Obviously, ESPN did the TV deal with them this year, yep. uh, which is huge for the Open Cup because it's never really had apart from a couple of games here and there when some amateur teams have got through and actually knocked out Portland Timbers, ironically, Cal FC uh, in 2013, I believe. You know, there would be one or two networks that would pick that up just because it's it's so bizarre, it's so different, as you say. It's, mm-hmm. it's not something that happens very often here in American sports. Uh, but now that ESPN have done the deal with the Open Cup, in my opinion, they have a platform now um, that's only going to get bigger, and um, that, that that's only going to help a tournament like the Open Cup as well. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see, but uh, no doubt it, it is going to be history here on Wednesday at Allianz Field, and um, I, I think this uh, this tournament, this cup, will become so much more important to the people of the Twin Cities should Minnesota United get to the final. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to cut this one a little bit short today. Uh, we might have another episode later on this week, depending on scheduling. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on. We've got, we want to talk about the aftermath of, of this Open Cup semifinal coming up. We've got FC Dallas this weekend, which we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. Other things in the works we might be able to touch on later on. Uh, but, you know, we'll be back later on this week, hopefully, to give you some more information. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 68th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Wednesday, August 7th, when they face off against the Portland Timbers again in the U.S. Open Cup semifinal at Allianz Field. Kickoff is at 7 p.m., and you'll be able to watch that game on ESPN+. Plus. Cal, are, are you, your involvement is... You don't, you're not involved. We're not entirely sure yet. You, who I knows? Say stay tuned. I'm not sure. More surprises. We'll see. Who yeah, knows? who knows? Okay. <laughs> All right. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating, and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you 
exactly as you are. <laughs>